0: Welcome to Storyboard, I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We dive into overlooked films and TV and pitch movie ideas that need to be made. Today we'll be chatting about the other kind of art films. We're talking palettes and easels. frescoes, Tortured genius. Berets. Whether the film is a piece de resistance or a total Monet. And we'll end with an original pitch and what's on our radar. Pull up a chair, baby. So, today we're talking about art and artists on film. So, I thought I would just start with some tropes I was trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. So, um, just a couple here. Like, basically, genius and like inspiration um, on film. So, like, the genius at work and like inspiration as it comes. And so, like, the best example I could think of, I mean, I don't know if this is quite the example, but like, I don't know why I'm such a glutton for punishment. And I watched season two of Mrs. Maisel. I'm an idiot. We've
1: already warned. I
0: know. We've warned everyone. And that. I did it. <laughs> now, this was before this. So don't worry. Oh, okay. I've already. Yeah. So it was basically like the actor Rufus Sewell was uh, portraying a fake actor, which is a whole other conversation of like, you know, in a, a movie, if they're portraying like a real person or like a made up genius, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, I believe, unless I'm wrong, he was a made up artistic genius yeah and of course he's enthralled by her and he's like come by my studio somehow you know you've got something special kid and so she sees this like secret painting he has in the back room and the audience we as the audience do not see the painting we just see her in awe of the painting which oh, yeah i guess maybe that could be better than us seeing it but it still is annoying to me anyway so and she's like oh my god it's genius <laughs> and so and i'm sure and you if, never see it you we never see it and so i'm like again i'm like should I thank them that I didn't have to see it and be like, this is total crap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, something about that just, it just really that whole show the is wrong just way. like that in general, you know, like everyone's in awe of everyone. Everyone's a genius and there's no problems yeah. anyway. So just basically that, I mean, it's yeah. harder to, th- it's easier to think of, um, movies that revolve around musicians. I think that show the inspiration, like the moment they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. They're like, I've got a hit song now. I hate those too. Yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> And another one is, as much as I, just a few episodes ago, was talking about, like, I want a Tumblr that's just about, like, uh, people that go to, like, art openings, like, their outfits. I love that, but then I'm equally, like, annoyed with, um, like, the art scene, quote-unquote, and, like, all the the quirky, like, proclivities of, like, artists, like, in a movie, like, Factory Girl, Mm. where it's, like, Edie Sedgwick is just, like, I'm just, like, an artist, man. It's, like, it's the 60s, and then you got, like... Hayden Christensen being Bob Dylan and, like, Guy Pearce being Andy Warhol. And it's just, like, uh, I don't know if the mic can pick up my eyes rolling back in my head. But <laughs> um, anyway, so those are just some yeah. to get into long-winded some gripes
1: there. but think, um yeah. yeah, for me, well, I hate biopics, like, okay. in general. Mm-hmm. And I know you have some. I just can't yeah. handle them myself, mm-hmm. especially <laughs> when the person is, like, in pretty recent living memory. Like, yeah. if it's, like, someone um, – like Bob Dylan, you're like, oh, oh, apparently he's still alive, which yeah, I did not know. <laughs> but, you know, someone who is just within, like, the 20th century, and I just think it's so cheesy and embarrassing, and it, yeah. it's so often, like, a great man's story. Occasionally they're a great woman's story, but, you know, yep. like, that kind of um, elevating them to this kind of classical hero sort of status mm-hmm. and it's just embarrassing it yeah, makes me it feel like I, it makes me feel like cringy and i'm just like oh stop being like here's their moment of their crazy like you said jolt of inspiration and yeah. it's actually cheesier when the is a director imagining what it must have been like yeah it just, i'm like i have you ever met a, a creative person <laughs> yeah. i don't even understand <laughs> that is something i like to avoid i also i will say maybe one of the most cloying uses of art in a film that i've seen in recent (laughs) memory was um bernardo berlucci's stealing beauty okay which is i mean i love the vibe of the movie which is uh it's 96 Liv tyler is like Mm -hmm. this sexy young ingenue type Mm -hmm. who uh goes to this like italian villa of her family friends and one of them is a sculptor, and it's a, this pretense is that he's going to sculpt her portrait, but she's really, like, trying to get answers after her mother's suicide. And oh, it yeah. feels like it's just – it's basically, like, window dressing, kind of like a setting to be like, these people are bohemians, and, like, who knows what could have happened back in the 70s when things were <laughs> like really creative, and this guy makes these big wood sculptures. And I'm pretty sure it's just an excuse to – because it's Bertolucci, so it's oh, like, oh, yeah. it's an excuse for her, we'll have Tyler to have to show her boob. <laughs> like, it's a, a on a young girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah, young woman. It's just so – Sleazy yeah. and weird. And then, like, there's this scene where, I mean, I'm just going to spoil this movie for y'all because you shouldn't watch it. Yeah, but, spoilers for a 25-year-old like, like, movie. It feels like the sculptor is, like, creeping on her. And then you find out that that's actually her, like, biological dad. Oh, no, I forgot that. <laughs> like, <you're> just, <laughs> I'm just like, loop there. where are we going with this? And it just oh, has no. this very, you know, this might be true, but it's just like, oh, he's like this sexy Irish artist She's like, a creep to everybody. You yeah. know, it's just, like, a weird... I don't know, Joel said it was basically a sexy Hallmark movie. that's a great <laughs> description.
0: But just yeah. where it's
1: like a shorthand for them being, like, passionate and, like, yeah. it's just, like, a cool vibe for them to, like, yeah. basically have this sentimental, weird um, plot line. Again, yeah. with bo- young, nubile breasts. Boobs. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Supple breasts. So just to carve that breast <laughs> yes. out of the wood.
0: Well, um... I, I don't know. Maybe with biopics, I could change your mind with a couple of my okay. picks here. Because I've got a couple here. So, Edward Monk. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. Um, so, 1974 film by Peter Watkins. So, Watkins is a British director. And he's known for creating these historical docudramas so which could be um sort of misidentified as like a mockumentary okay Um, but it has those sort of vibes um where the actors they're very often um, non-professional actors are very aware of the camera and often address the camera or like look straight down the barrel of it kind of like i mean i hate to an obvious example. The Errol would be like, Morris. Oh. Yeah, or I was going to say like office, uh, The Office or whatever. Okay. Which I'm not a fan of the show, but that just as a general oh, okay, idea gotcha. of Never mind. people yeah. are very aware. And like if something awkward happens, like, characters in this will kind of look at the camera. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Wow. Anyway. So Watkins uh, mixes this breaking of the fourth wall with voiceover narration and observational documenting of... Narrative scenes based on historical events. So there's a lot of layers there. It sounds complicated and it kind of is. But yeah, uh, throughout his films, I've only seen one or two others, but his main area of interest is pacifism and how the media and Hollywood can distort these ideas as very radical uh, to the point that a lot of his films were banned. This film, his subject was, of course, the Norwegian painter Edvard Monk. And how his early personal tragedies, if you can imagine an artist, personal oh, tragedy and illness and uh, madness and stuff. So how these tragedies in his childhood affected his artistic subject matter. And now and he was just grossly underappreciated in his own time. Another ding, ding, ding. No, <laughs> by yeah. artist biopic. But yeah, the film was beautifully shot with this like stunning resemblance to Monk's uh, own aesthetic, so it kind of looked like his paintings, oh, uh, which I appreciated. Yeah, and it had this really like elliptical plot uh, structure that was refreshing for a biopic because mm. uh, usually it's very like uh, chronological, and this kept like circling back to as he was painting, he would like be remem- re- reminded of. Like, maybe his, his sister dying in, in her childhood or whatever, you know, something like that, some tragedy. Um, and so, fair warning, it is three hours long. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I watched it on God's Forgotten Streaming Service, Fandor. <laughs> wow, they're still letting you into that old hey, amusement yeah. park. <laughs> still getting the key to the gate. <laughs> so, uh, but I think it's also available on Amazon
1: Prime. So the movies I watch this week are all I really because I was shying away from biographical films, and that seems to be the majority of a lot of uh, depictions of artists on film. People like I I don't know what it is about movie directors they love to do, like visual artists biopics yeah. like I've, yeah. there's all really like a mess of them just a yeah stack oh of them. i mean it's in the radar i feel place. like
0: i've got like here's just a bunch i watched yeah generally. Just,
1: like fully <laughs> so i picked all uh films about fictional artists and i guess the I theme know. of the week for me is the unbearable maleness of <laughs> artists <laughs> movies because they're all basically about um and it's a talented but sort of unbalanced artist who like goes over the edge in response to the pressures of like the art market or the commodification of fine art by the wealthy and the stupid or just some pain in the ass pregnant wife and some demons like that's (laughs) kind of the thread running through all my picks unintentionally so the first movie I watched um, is The Horse's Mouth by Ronald Neame from 58 and it stars Alec Guinness who was this really successful Shakespearean actor who made the transition to screen but he's probably best known as obi-wan kenobi <laughs> yeah. in the original star wars <laughs> and so you know 20 years before mm-hmm. obi-wan he plays he looks older in this <laughs> horse's mouth than he he's does always in looked star old wars. that's another we oh, can do a whole show permanent. about yeah, some actors that just
0: have always been old like yeah. gene
1: hackman which yeah. i love anyway oh oh my god i read a great story about gene hackman <gasps> like this is a couple years ago, but he like got into a dis- like this motorist like cut him off and was like yelling at him, and Gene Hackman just c- came out like in his like seventy like he was like late 70s at yeah. that point and like wailed on the guy, just Ooh, like knocked I him down. Love it. He just punched the guy out. Oh, so cool. oh, like I think he even just like
0: gave him oh. a good what four. No, no. Oh, oh no, he can still mix it up. Ooh, anyway, all right, I love it. I'm into anyway.
1: It. I don't um, support violence, but in Gene but if, Hackman's if case... I
0: would let Gene Hackman punch me in the face, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think I would, too. I think I would be okay with that. I'd be <laughs> no, like, that's a story.
1: We got a to a weird area there. has got to a weird area. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just be
0: mean to me, Gene <laughs> Hackman. No.
1: It's like beyond daddy into granddad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel the same way. Uh, anyway, so Obi-Wan, i.e. Alec mm-hmm. Guinness, uh, plays this sort of, like, rakish, aging painter with like a little bit of cultural cachet who like gets out of jail and immediately goes to like track down like basically like shake down this wealthy art patron for some money that he owes him and then mm-hmm. it just kind of follows him as he is trying to track down these old paintings from his ex-lady and he is a bit of a a rogue a rake <laughs> living on his houseboat in... and <laughs> I don't know I really can't tell where exactly <laughs> it is in London like is. I was like anyway uh but it is an interesting portrayal where he is very driven by his vision and he has this idea that he must have, like, this perfect space for this mural he's envisioning and he ends up basically squatting in these stupid wealthy art patrons' apartment while they're Mm -hmm. in, like, Bermuda or whatever and, like, ruining their entire apartment with all of his models and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. because he's, like, painting an entire permanent wall of theirs without their knowledge. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so it's just a fun – it's, like, a fun movie that pokes fun at that trope of, like, the sort of, you know, poor artist that's underappreciated. Mm-hmm. But then it also pokes fun at, like, the commodification of fine arts and, mm-hmm. like, you know, heralding these painters but then, like, not necessarily paying them super well. And then mm-hmm. it even kind of brings in, like, museums and that sort of, like, public arts uh, patronage if you mm-hmm. will. So, yeah. I mean, it's actually outright funny, although like I said, he's definitely a piece of shit. <laughs> Explicitly so. So there's not really like a there's not really a sympathetic protagonist in the mm-hmm. movie, but it's a good way to kind of um poke some holes in that idea of like the serious sort of like mid-century artist, I guess. Yeah.
0: Um, I have seen it, but it's been a while. Doesn't he wear a lot of great, like,
1: raglan sweatshirts? Sorry, that's he like... He does, I love yeah. That's take take that away. kind of, like, <laughs> English fisherman kind love of... it. Yeah. Sorry, that was... um like not important. Yeah. yeah,
0: not important to
1: anyone but me. And just no. love a good old sweatshirt. <laughs> it's, it's like, like he's going like... to grab a little bindle and a fishing pole. Yeah. And...
0: Okay, I like it. Yeah. So, I got another biopic here. So, you might have to tell me with some of these pronunciations, okay. but uh, Piros Mani mm-hmm. from 1969 by director uh Georgi shingalaya i believe and that will probably be the only time i say staying, because i will butcher <laughs> it if i say it once more um so it is a biopic about self-taught georgian painter nico perismani and the film has uh an aesthetic style similar to the artist uh primitivist i believe paintings yeah. i think is that yeah, okay. I'm like asking everything. I'm like, is this right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not a fine <laughs> arts expert, <Maybe>. but <laughs> That's what I was... anyway, we should go ahead and say a big asterisk and all. This is it. I'm no art expert, so no. Sorry, I took uh... one
1: series of art history that I loved. Yeah, but it was basically like this. Oh my god, I have this brain thing where I love. <laughs> I don't know if this is an ASMR thing or what, but I love the sensation (laughs) of someone with a pleasant voice describing art to me while looking at it. So I had this professor who had, like, the old-fashioned slides, and she would click, 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 and she'd be, like, talking, and her interpretations were – so. it was basically like Sister Wendy, but IRL, which I also love Sister Wendy, and it, like, like tickles my brain in this really pleasing way. Anyway, that is to say, that is, like, the association I have with art analysis. So that's my experience. Well, I took, like, a painting class,
0: and that was was it. I mean – just yeah um in arkansas university of arkansas Ooh. so uh take that for what it's worth so other biopics uh should really take note of the structure of this film because i like that we don't have to slog through um scenes from like his youth or like uh, again like his inspiration Or other like milestones, I like that it's kind of like, it'll kind of just start like right before or after, usually after something is like major has happened. So I kind of appreciate that. That doesn't hit those, those beats. And then there'll be these huge lapses of time that we, again, we don't have to see, which I kind of appreciate. Yeah,
1: skip the boring stuff. Lives are long and boring. Yeah.
0: Or even the interesting stuff that's just like his marriage or his marriage falling apart or whatever, you know, like, I don't care. Irrelevant. Yeah. Um... So yeah, in this way, I think it's it's unique among biopics. Um, and then there's I would just say simple enough. The standout scene for me is uh, the first scene is set in this house with an enviable collection of house plants. And that's really all there is to it. <laughs> it. I mean, like it's a it's a great film. It has like a lot of like curious, uh, um, Aki Kurismaki vibes. But um yeah I don't know that that first film got me good it was just like a beautiful house filled with with houseplants plants uh, that I was very envious of so yeah. I mean that's really I mean
1: that's it it's a very simple Who among film. us has not envied a houseplant <laughs> exactly. window on the exactly street. <laughs> uh well there's nothing envious about the movie that I <laughs> enviable I guess I should say about the movie that I rewatched for this so hmm. I had this memory of the 68 bergman film hour of the wolf as like mm. whoa truly really like freak <laughs> your beans like a real wild ride yeah. and it, like super surreal and yeah. then upon rewatching, i was like what the hell is going on here so it stars max von sadow as an artist on extended holiday residency Mm. descent into madness (laughs) (laughs) on this remote Swedish island with his pregnant wife who's played by Liv Ullman Mm -hmm, probably unsurprisingly Mm -hmm. Um, so he has maybe an emotional breakdown or maybe he's tormented (laughs) by figurative or literal demons (laughs) who are also possibly embodied in the people who live on this in this castle on the other side of the island. Um, It's, like, this baron and his wife and their strange friends. And the reason I'm, like, I don't know if they're demons or not is that the way that Bergman lights them is so harsh and sort of, like, monstrous. And I'm, like, Mm -hmm. they're trying to, like, imply they're, like, turning into demons during Mm -hmm. these dinner party scenes. It's, I mean, it's a weird one. I don't know. I just remembered it being more cool and eerie when I watched it before. And then this time I was really stuck on, like, how shitty – Liv Ullman's character is treated, like, I really couldn't get past I, I can usually get past yeah. that in old films when I'm like, man, this dude is, like, dragging your – you're so pregnant. You're, like, dragged you're out so to this pregnant. island. You're 20 <laughs> and, months pregnant. And he's like, now that I have you here, here's – like, I'm going to make you stay awake. So basically, like, the hour of the wolf, Bergman prefaces it with this little note that's like, oh, the Romans at the hour of the wolf was like, this time between midnight and – sunrise and it's like when babies are born and like demons come out to play and stuff and this guy's like oh i'm tormented at night so you need to stay awake with me even though you're super pregnant i'm gonna tell you all these maybe memories or maybe like hallucinations while she's like trying desperately to stay awake i'm just like i'm
0: like later next boat out of here sister
1: anyway and some of the confessions he makes during these times i'm like well run away in the night because (laughs) this guy is a murderer so there's just a lot of scenes like that, and I think it's just very tiresome from, like, a contemporary perspective. Like I said, I tried to set that aside, but in this case, I'm like, you're really just dragging this. And then <laughs> at the end, I mean, there's some real weird violent shit that happens that you're oh, like, no. what is this? So anyway, is he a painter, or? He's, like, a he sketches a lot. Okay. I mean, he draws a lot. Is I not that
0: artistic. Yeah, like, life. you're not really
1: sure what he does okay. other than, like, we, this is the time in our lives to go live on this remote island, oh, and. Wow. I don't know. I mean, apparently during filming, like Liv Ullman was actually pregnant, oh. pregnant with her and Bergman's baby. And then she gave birth during filming. So I'm like, oh, okay. God. She's like, yeah. So I don't know. I guess <laughs> it really, he had come up with it a few years earlier and abandoned it and then returned to it again when he, they were living. Like, Wait, on she's pregnant. Row. Let's go. Yeah, let's, this is the time. <laughs> so. It's just like it's just a very strange vibe, and I think maybe I also hadn't been as into more horror type movies mm-hmm. at the time that I saw it, so it, the weirder part seemed more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's still worth a watch, but you're just going to find yourself being like, get out, chick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take that little paddle boat and hit the road. <laughs> hit the seas, like I people yeah. say. <laughs> Interesting concept. I can see why it's kind of like a slightly forgotten Bergman mm-hmm. film. Like, I don't know. There's some cool, like, stuff going on, of course, with, like, scene composition and lighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're just, especially if you're a woman, you're going to be like, no. Oh, boy. This <laughs> yeah. like a bad husbands.
0: Yeah. Well... As a, a sharp turn away from that Whoa. into a very delightful uh, documentary. Um, we've got Louvre City, uh, mm. 1990 by Nicolas Philibert. It's just an engrossing film about people doing their job, basically. Yeah. It sounds um, so in this case, we witnessed the staff of the Louvre um, setting up for an exhibit and then their other daily goings on. Um, So at first glance, it kind of looks like the observational style of documentary filmmaking of like Frederick Wiseman, Mm -hmm. um, most notably probably in his film National Gallery. But um, there are instances of sort of cheeky narrative camera work um, that are just charming as hell, um, which sort of places him more in the camp of cinema verite, wherein he's like noticeably making some artistic choices. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, I could give examples, but it wouldn't really have any meaning in here. Just certain scenes you'll notice, you're like, wait a minute, this is a POV shot all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, how could that be in a documentary film? So basically, I could just watch ten hours more of this. Yeah. It uh and the I looked up the rest of Philibert's documentaries and they don't seem of particular interest to me, but maybe I'll check them out. But if you're, you know, into like Frederick Wiseman, just like watching people doing their thing, kind of flying the wall, but again, he kind of has this like. This little extra spark of, like, I'm going to put my little stamp on this. Kind of like, you know, Agnes Varda. Maybe maybe not quite like Agnes Varda, because she yeah. puts herself, like, actually fully in, in it fully, yeah. like, you know. but Which I can appreciate. But you'll notice some some touches in there. Um, so it is just a fucking delight. It's uh, on Canapé. I definitely would say check it out. Even if it's just in the background. like Because, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of it obviously is in French, which is fine. But there's really not even much dialogue. You just see people setting up art and it's, oh, that sounds and like, really
1: soothing yeah and there's
0: like a couple of shots i don't know what they're doing but they're basically like shooting a gun in the or like a starter's pistol or something oh. in the in the louvre and so i don't know if, and like they're checking like the seismotic, no, seismic – is that what you Yeah, seismic seismic graph. Whatever waves of it like i don't know if it has to do with like if there's a loud sound, how will this affect the art? I don't know what they're testing for. <laughs> because there's like, it's so cute. Like there's just different shots of uh, of a girl like shooting a gun in the air. She's got like little like, or like big headphones oh, on. Oh, really? She's wearing like leggings. She's super cute. Because it's 1990. Yeah. And then there's a guy on like a seismograph, whatever <laughs> yeah. the fuck it's called. And He's I, like yeah,
1: monitoring.
0: So, yeah. And I don't know why, but yeah. I love it. Yeah, and i can watch I'm into that alone it. for like 15 minutes. Um, yeah, that's... It doesn't really make sense if you don't see it, but it's it's pretty great, so.
1: You know movie I watched for this? This is not mm-hmm. one of my movies, mm-hmm. but I watched, I finally watched Museum Hours from 2012, oh, also yeah. on Canapé, which is a oh. narrative film, but kind of a similar vibe, yeah. where it's like, mm-hmm. it is like, you know, a museum guard and a, like a woman who's traveling. I love her songs and that. Like, she, sorry. That's a whole other, I guess she's actually like she's a, a real singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like got her out, or like, not downloaded, whatever,
0: is, spotify her album after <laughs> Listen that. to it. And, and listen to it, is what I yeah. like say. That's what a normal person would say. Yeah, and I really like it. I don't know. Yeah, so I was like, I love her voice so much. And that it's was so the unique. part I didn't
1: like, but I'm really Let really me okay, see, I'm but... kind
0: of a sucker for someone singing in a movie, to a point. Yeah. It depends. Well, also because I know she's like um, Catherine O'Hara's sister,
1: so it's kind of like... It's like
0: a... I have a soft spot for that yeah. whole family, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. They're so cute Canadian. I don't
1: know. But it takes place in that art museum, which is like the... I don't know art museum in Vienna and I just love that it's like so it's Jem Cohen who did instrument which sounds like this would be like the most boring movie on the planet because I found that (laughs) that's like maybe the movie that turned me off of documentaries for a while because I I mean yeah whatever and off off of Fugazi but that's another story Mm. but then in this film I think the way he's like able to like hyper focus on slow things like where Mm -hmm. you're like following an art tour along Mm -hmm. I think is very um It's just, like, a pleasing way to, like, film in a museum without Mm -hmm. it being, like, overly contrived. Like, it's just very realistic of how it is to, like, move through a museum. Mm -hmm. So I like that about – I like the sound of that documentary, (laughs) frankly. I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Check it out. Well, since I already ranted about one (laughs) movie that wasn't on my list, I'll talk about my final uh, movie, which is, again, fictional. And also about a visual artist, a hot visual artist who goes nuts. Uh, Quiet Place in the Country, directed by Elio Petri, 68. Um, there's a local film series that was showing it uh church of film yeah. and again, some of their screenings are just start too late for grandma so i watched it <laughs> sometimes I'm like oh that's a good yeah that, I, that's on my list and then it reminds you to like find it and watch it so yeah. it is on YouTube um, and it stars Franco Nero and Vanessa Redgrave and so it's kind of like a Jello adjacent movie Ooh. I would say like there's kind of some um, some murder some <gasps> violence uh, so basically Nero plays this hot young painter who descends into chaos <laughs> and maybe a haunting in the Italian countryside. Because <laughs> he's like this, he plays Leonardo, he's like this in-demand painter, Milan, and he needs to get away from the pressures of the art world. And partially his girlfriend, Flavia, who's played by Vanessa Redgrave, she's like his art dealer and his girlfriend. She's like, yeah, you got to keep working. Like, Didn't you work today? Like kind of like, come on. You're like, you're my supplier for all this stuff. (laughs) And then he just becomes captivated by this dilapidated mansion in the Italian countryside. And it's like, I must work here. (laughs) And so he moves there and starts rehabilitating it. But then he quickly learns, like, there's this local legend about the place being haunted by the spirit of a previous resident who, in true, like, Jalo fashion, is was this sexy nympho, young Ooh, countess. Oh, yeah. Who was, like, going all around town. But then she was, like allegedly gunned down during world war ii so okay. like her spirit haunts the place right okay. her slutty spirit yeah Sorry. basically i mean really and they get real into that i mean this is like an italian movie from the yeah.
0: 60s um so instead of a walk of shame it's like a haunting of shame and the whole
1: film is from his perspective so honestly it's definitely a case where you don't know if you're witnessing like his mental illness mm. or like real supernatural things, yeah. kind of like images, I guess. Or like kind the- of like the movie we pitch. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Our <real>. famous
1: pitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are some hints pretty early on before he even leaves Milan that there's something up with this guy because he has these violent fantasies in which his girlfriend is torturing him or he's killing her. And it all comes back to his feeling of being like trapped. And oppressed mm-hmm. by the market demand for his work, which yeah. she kind of, like, embodies. Mm-hmm. The last 10 minutes or so are pretty wild. And oh. it's a real, like, I don't know, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So I really had a good time with this movie. And he is really sexy. Sorry. Yeah. Ooh, like, Even though like, wait. a crazy person, he's, like, pretty good. Although <laughs> oh, yeah. he's kind of a, ugh. Um, And I guess it had a wider distribution than you might expect at the time, mostly mm-hmm. because... Redgrave and Nero had met on Camelot in 67. That was a big movie. Mm -hmm. And then by the time of this movie, they were living together openly and had a kid, which was like pretty scandalous Mm -hmm. for 1970. And I didn't know until I was looking them up for this movie... (laughs) That they separated basically the next year and they were apart for years, decades, uh-huh. like married other people, and then they were reunited decades later and then legally married in two thousand six. And they're still married. That's cute. Which is Aww. a great real life ending because obviously the ending for the couple in the movie is <laughs> not so good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I've been wanting to check that out for so long. So okay. It's I'm on definitely YouTube. Going t- okay. just yeah. Definitely and like well. a
1: pretty good pretty good transfer. All right. I mean it's Dubbed, so take that what you will, but all right, (laughs) take it. Yeah, all right. Well, you've heard of Build a Bear workshops. Welcome (laughs) to Build a Pitch. It's, that's where I was going with it. Okay. Build a better pitch. <laughs> All right. Um, it's just what you might think. Exactly. Or, obviously. Just like the head of a bear and the body of an angel. <laughs> um, so this yeah, is a game where we each bring two elements uh, for a film unknown to one another. And then we pitch a movie on the spot. And I think we have a working title today all right unrelated to anything we've been talking about today i was just like down
0: the rabbit hole and i saw a film by uh lena verkmuller called too much romance it's time for stuffed peppers <laughs> <laughs> what
1: i don't know i want to know more i want to know
0: more it's from 2004 anyway don't know Tell it. Me everything. it may be yeah. awful but i do love that title so this will be like on the the uh, masking tape on the 35 millimeter, uh, yeah. you know, the, what am I trying to say? The reels? <laughs> whatever, you the know. Canisters. The, film, the canisters. The canisters. Yeah, the film canisters. Yeah. As it's shipping out, too much romance, dot, dot, dot. It's time for stuffed peppers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm sure whatever you pitch will be just I very related to work. <laughs> it I am mean, really that, that might work. work. Okay. okay. What do you got?
1: All right. So two prefaces. Okay. A, I finally <laughs> watched Support the Girls, which until recently <gasps> oh. I hadn't realized was directed by Andrew Bujalski. Yeah, crazy. And who, when I say I'm, I think in the past I've said I'm sympathetic to Mumblecore. Really, I probably should just have said that I love the movies of Andrew Bujalski and Bob mm-hmm. Byington, neither mm-hmm. of whom necessarily fit or appreciate that label. Yeah. Um, and I also just watched Lemon, which was written and directed by Janik Bravo and starred her real-life husband, Brett Gelman. Mm-hmm. Um, she has directed episodes of Atlanta and your favorite oh. show, Forever. I like it. But you can kind of get the sense that she has that same sense of, like, dry, slightly surreal humor. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel like Lemon totally worked, but I still liked aspects of it, and I want to mm-hmm. see more from her. Okay. So I want a film written by Janik Sobravo and directed by Andrew Bujalski. All right. And I don't know if you're going to love the setting. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) So subject-wise, I just watched all these films about these male artists whose encounters with the reality of the art market and the art world drove them like totally bananas. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really common trope. And what I wanted instead was a film with the same kind of vibe of um, Buzowski films or of Lemon about Mm -hmm. a young woman artist from not from New York, who becomes this hot commodity in the art world. And instead of driving her to madness, she just kind of greets it with this sort of bemused curiosity and the audience joins her mm-hmm. on this like strange journey to being like this very in-demand, mm-hmm. very profitable artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it could be something where there's like a week where she's got a new show opening in a major gallery and it's just everything leading up to that. Maybe Breck Elman can be like some sort of handler or something. Yeah. I think you're really good at that. Yeah. Um. I just wanted the protagonist to experience this with like more resilience than we've seen from like the tortured artist trope I mm-hmm. think it'd be more fun to have this woman be kind of like what is up with these people Yeah. and so for the actor I was thinking Zazie Beats, who <gasps> is probably best known as Van in Atlanta but she's also amazing in High Flying Bird mm-hmm. I guess she was also in Deadpool 2 um, yeah, but I, I just think know. she could do that kind of great deadpan observational yeah. protagonist super well. Like I can just picture her like moving through these yes. scenes. Anyway, so that's my. Right. I know you're not crazy. You were not crazy about the art world trope, but well, you know it can be fun. Anyway, yeah. okay. Um, okay. So
0: my uh, little addition to that would be Minnie Driver. Where is she? Oh, I want to see question. her. She could be kind of like an agent or an art Ooh, gallery gallery owner. owner. Or maybe an artist she, like, maybe Zazie, like, seeks advice from or something. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like, where's Minnie Driver? Yeah. I don't know. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) I I would love
1: seeing her as, like, a rep or, like, a gallery owner with, like, Mm -hmm. Like, cool glasses. glasses Yeah. And she's, like, on her phone, basically. Yeah. She's Mm -hmm. making deals. She's wheeling and dealing. Stilettos.
0: Skirt suits. Yeah. Okay. And this is like a wild one. I just kind of threw in here as like my like other little trope, but um, I want someone at some point to serve like a drink to someone and say, "Drink this, it'll relax you." And it's like poison, Ooh. or someone's. I mean, yeah. this could be really problematic, really easily. But like someone slipped someone a Mickey kind of thing, <laughs> but in like it, it could be in like a comedic way. It could be or in like in that a, kind
1: of surreal again, like yeah. a sort of Atlanta. Yeah. or... Or a jokey kind, kind of It could be like of kind, of kind of a winking way. sort of thing. I just
0: love that story. This I is mean, like unrelated. I
1: mean, that would come, that would be really good coming from Brett Gelman. Like, yeah, like. <laughs> she's like this creepy nerd being like, it'll drink relax Drink this, it'll relax you. And she she could just be like, motherfucker, no. Yeah, <laughs> and then she just like, I don't
0: know, pours it out yeah, or he exactly. accidentally drinks it or something. I don't <laughs> he gets know. gets nervous and starts no, sipping exactly. It. She calls him out and he drinks it. And like, oh, then he shit. collapses. <laughs> oh my God, I have a love that But so or she good. Yeah, she just like pours it or like, switches them or whatever because yeah.
1: i mean i know that's dumb no i'm but, into like, it i think i it'd like be funny. it i think that that would because you know having seen lemon like i do think that would be great to like she loves those kind of like rupture scenes and i think that could be like a really good scene to have yeah. <laughs> where it's just like oh like you're like oh shit here we go and you know it leads you i like i do like when movies do that thing where they're leading you to thinking there's gonna be this traumatic moment and then oh, it yeah. pulls back and yeah she's is like, like no i'm too smart it's and like no, it's not that yeah like no. i really appreciate that too we're like no. a woman watching it can be like yeah exactly i would feel the same yeah, way like, like fuck no i'm gonna this <laughs> shit watching him like crumple on the floor would be a real <laughs> that'd be great a real treat and then mini driver can like step over yeah, <laughs> <her> yeah stilettos <laughs> and be like what the hell's happening here <laughs> oh okay, i love it yeah, I think. I think we had a winner. I think we're, <laughs> I mean, I, this is sort of, you know, more in like, it'll premiere at South by Southwest, mm-hmm. I would yeah. say, but yeah. I'm ready. Okay, we are going to share some dispatches from (laughs) our cinematic radars, Uh, just some notes on some recent watches for each of us. Do you want me to roll with it, or you got some you want to jump on in with? I'll jump in. Yeah, cool. All right. Um,
0: So one of my favorite artists is Louise Nevelson, and on YouTube, there are some great interviews uh, with her there specifically there's this um show that looks like it's on like i don't know local access i don't know anything about this like old new york kind of tv stuff but she's being interviewed by a woman called barbara lee diamondstein which is the best name i've ever heard Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um so it's a show called about the arts and so it's an interview from 1976 and it's not really like a film but you should watch it yeah um and then barbara lee diamondstein i think has other interviews online so just just Put her name into YouTube and just, it's a treat. That's all I'm saying. Say it's an
1: autoplay. If you just want something in the background, that's just
0: lovely. And so uh, during this journey, I saw a lot of things on Canapé, just a lot of like art documentaries. Um, I won't even say the titles, but it's basically ones about David Hockney, Agnes Martin, Joan Mitchell, and art collector Peggy Guggenheim. If you just put in their their names into Canapé, you'll find them. So just worthwhile documentaries about them if you're interested. Uh, Peggy Guggenheim is a little nutty. So anyway, yeah, that was a fun right, one. Yeah. I watched two Frederick Wiseman documentaries, also on Canopy. We're just really the uh, the go-to yeah. gals for that. Yeah, That's, it makes the sense. shill for
1: the, for Canopy. I will, I will. I am professionally a library shill. So yeah, exactly. I, this all goes together. Yeah.
0: So um, the film model that was released in 1980. Um, it's just what it sounds like. It's about a modeling agency mm-hmm. from late, uh, shot in the late 70s. Yeah, it's just great. Again, I could watch 10 hours of this. I could also watch 10 hours of his 1983 film, The Store, which is just uh, the goings-on of Neiman Marcus. So basically, if you liked the uh, Louvre City, the documentary I mentioned earlier, um, definitely you'll like Frederick Wiseman and his sort of fly-on-the-wall documentaries. So yeah, model and The Store.
1: And I'll just add that... No. Uh, One of our favorite podcasts, All Units, just had an episode come out about Frederick Wiseman and documentary in general. So it's a good pairing. It's a good pairing. I
0: love it. Um, and you know, just the, the IRL Silk Road that we keep talking about <laughs> called the library. <laughs> um, so I've been listening. I finally figured out that audiobooks are online through the sure library. Available. So, um, I'm a dum-dum and I finally just figured this out. So I've just been enjoying that listening to the Dead Mountaineers Inn, um, oh, one of my favorite films, Dead yeah. Mountaineers Hotel, and, um, then also Roadside Picnic, so, uh, which was Tarkovsky's stalker. It was like the impetus for that. So both by the Stragotsky brothers, I listen to that. And then Strangers on a Train by Patricia Highsmith. So there is just, you know, a myriad of, uh, mm-hmm. of choices there. Uh, so definitely check your local library listings for that.
1: Um, how about you? Uh, so, Okay. I watched two films that fall within your no-go zone—the oh, British no. kitchen sink. <laughs> so, which is to say, films about the depressing lives of working-class British people. But I found them pretty fantastic. They were really distinct tonally from what you might classify as a kitchen sink drama. So I'm going to okay. try to convince. I'm trying to try, try right. to convince you. <laughs> so, number one, I think I already texted you about this. God's Own Country is a 2017 oh. film written and directed by Francis Lee. He is a Yorkshire-based actor and filmmaker. It's a love story centering on a lonely alcoholic sheep farmer in Yorkshire and a (laughs) Romanian migrant worker hired to help out on his farm. Okay, Um, So, you know, here Lee is writing about the community he knows, and he also really knows how to pull a very moving queer love story out of Mm -hmm. extremely bleak settings. And the film has this really hopeful ending that I read in an interview that he didn't He was like, oh, I didn't realize there was this trope that queer movies always have these sad endings. Like, I'm not much of a cinephile and Mm -hmm. I just grew up watching, like, Julia Roberts movies and was like, oh, of course this should be the ending. Yeah, why not? if you're looking for a very realistic and, I mean, like a very honest sexually queer love story Mm -hmm. that doesn't have a totally bleak ending like Mm -hmm. if you can get past the first 10 minutes (laughs) of like this guy's life before Mm -hmm. super recommend Uh, so also Shirley Valentine is Mm a 1989 film about this Liverpool housewife played by Pauline Collins who also played the titular character in the stage production Um, so she's living this totally ignored and unappreciated existence in like a semi-detached house Mm -hmm. Tuck into the wall while she prepares, like, (laughs) chipping eggs for her husband's (laughs) dinner. So you're like, oh, no, where is this going? (laughs) But then she has the opportunity to do something for herself when a friend of hers wins a trip to Greece. And from there, it takes this totally unexpected path where Mm. she feels like her life is awakened and her life totally changes. And it's so refreshing. I cannot tell you. Oh, all right. Um, So it's based on, I mentioned the play of the Mm -hmm. same name by Willie Russell. So he wrote the screenplay for this. so there uh-huh. is a real cohesion with the people who put on the original dramatic production, which uh-huh. I think is always helpful. Yeah. There's also an incredible Joanna Lumley cameo <gasps> as a childhood friend. Joanna Lumley, me. also known as Patsy Stone. Yeah, you <laughs> got me. All right. And she does not disappoint. Like, <laughs> oh, oh it's so good. Yeah. So even though they're they maybe would fit into the larger sort of the category of like kitchen sinky mm-hmm. films i think they really do unexpected and refreshing things with the genre that show that you don't have to have it be like literally fish tank yeah <laughs> <laughs> so those are my those are i'm pitching everybody on these yeah. this All right. week.
0: well i'll check them out even though reluctantly genre I, <laughs> I don't know but no they sound
1: great i'll yeah. check them out start with shirley valentine because that's actually just fun and it's, like, beautiful. It's Greece in 1989. Like, and Joanna Lumley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you have additional films that we can run through our canapé credits <laughs> with, you can drop us a line at storyboardpod at gmail.com, the Instagram at storyboardpodcast.com. So am i am like guessing now <laughs> <Storyboard> <laughs> really? podcast, twitter at storyboard underscore pod uh, if you're not subscribed you should hit that subscribe button Do why it? not just like yeah. I feel like this is like our I was describing this to a friend uh, mm-hmm. earlier this week and I really feel like it's like our little like newsletter kind yeah. of like it's like a fun little like film diary that yeah. even if uh, even if we don't hang out IRL like you're still our film buddies so yeah, exactly. you, can, you can keep up with us all of our links to everything we talk about are in the episode notes. Till next time.